before David comes to speak, I'm going to um, read for, for us from the Bible. So if you are at home and you have a Bible to hand, it'd be really good to have a look at it. And I'm going to read Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 12 and 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city, with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Morning. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Genesis 15 and Hebrews 11. Father, Please open our minds by your spirit to understand this great principle and to know how to act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not believed in God. The devils also believe and tremble. But Abraham believed God in what God, in what God said in appearances and words and visions. It's an active word, trust. He acted on that trust, which for him and for us, involves choices. I don't think that trust arrived fully formed as a gift. Romans 4 says that it was strengthened. He was strengthened in his faith. And it grew through his relationship with God from his call in Ur, Acts 7, God the prime mover, Abraham the friend of God. His story is scripture and all scripture is God-breathed and useful for a number of things. And so we look to what the New Testament says about the Old Testament to understand both better. So in Genesis 12, God called Abraham and promised to make his descendants a great nation, to bless him and make him a blessing, and the messianic promise, in you, your offspring, your particular descendant Jesus, Galatians 3, all nations of the earth will be blessed. So he went with his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot, all the people and all the property he'd acquired. He did what God told him to do. All right, he got a bit stuck halfway in Haran for some years until his father died. 
But did he do everything right? Well, he reached the land, and God promised the land to his descendants as a proof of his call and of obedience. That's Deuteronomy 28. And he went on to Egypt. At the border, he told Sarah to say that she was his sister because he was afraid because she was so beautiful that somebody would take her uh, into his tent and to do so would kill Abraham if he was thought to be her husband. Pharaoh did that, and that was risking uh, rape, enslavement, adultery for Sarah. And it put God's purposes for Abraham at risk, and it put his messianic plan for mankind at risk, because there might be no Abrahamic descendant, Messiah. God sent plagues to Pharaoh. Pharaoh understood the situation, and he sent them away with rich gifts, and Sarah was not violated. The promise was repeated, the covenant was made, and the sign of the covenant, circumcision, was given. And then in a famine, in Genesis 20, Abraham did the same thing again. He went to Abimelech, king of Gerar, or Philistia, this time, and again told Sarah to say that she was his sister, same reason, messianic plan at risk again. God tells Abimelech he's a dead man, and that Abraham is a prophet who will pray for him. Abraham does pray for him. God forgave and healed Abimelech and his wife and all his female servants, none of whom were able to conceive at the time. The promise was repeated, the covenant made, and the sign of circumcision given. Have you ever prayed for somebody else for what you most deeply desire for yourself and seen God deliver that? Have you ever been the means by which he delivers that? Do we trust God when he delays on a promise or to answer a prayer? One Walcott wife, Phil Taverner, told me she prayed daily for 35 years for her husband to come to faith, which he did just before he died. Genesis 16, Abraham agrees to Sarah's plan for a child by his, uh, her Egyptian maid, Hagar. Again, the messianic plan at risk. Ishmael is born, but he's not the promised child. 13 years later, in Genesis 17, Abraham asks God that Ishmael may stand before him and be the child of the promise. But God says, no, that'll be Isaac, who will be born this time next year. He'll be the child of the promise. And then God healed Sarah so that she was enabled to conceive Isaac. Abraham's faith wasn't fully formed in one go, but God is faithful to his call, to his promise, and his covenant and he'll be faithful to us. He blessed Abraham, for example, after Sarah died, a second wife, six sons, and innumerable sons by concubines. God is always faithful. He's sovereign, and he knows best. But sometimes, we don't listen. So that was three examples where Abraham may not have got it right. Did he get it right otherwise? Yes, he did, three at least. He gave Lot first choice of the land when their combined flocks were too big for the pasture, Genesis 13. Lot chose what looked the better, the Jordan, the Jordan Valley, which was greener then, uh, and off he went to Sodom and he was captured in a war, so Abraham had to, had to go and rescue him from north of Damascus with 318 trained men from his household. 
freed Lot and his wife and all the prisoners, including all the women, all the people who'd been enslaved in that war between two sets of kings. He recognized Melchizedek as God's priest and paid a tithe to him. He circumcised his household when he was instructed to do so as a sign of the covenant made with him. And God then said, walk before me and be blameless, Genesis 17. He called on the name of the Lord, he prayed, he interceded, in particular, that God wouldn't destroy the innocent with the guilty in Sodom, which saved Lot from Sodom again, although it's difficult to see that God, well, difficult to see that Lot hadn't gone wrong somewhere too. Genesis 18, God repeats the promise to Abraham, he says, I've chosen Abraham that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. That seems to demand some sort of action in response to the promise. And Abraham did. He brought up Isaac in the faith and he sent the others away well provided for in Genesis 25. And then the big test in Genesis 22. This time God seems to be putting the messianic plan at risk by commanding Abraham to kill as a sacrifice his son Isaac, foreshadowing very closely the test that he himself was to endure in Jesus. Abraham, take your son, your one-of-a-kind son, conceived miraculously, whom you love, go to Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Abraham went. A hideous choice. Had he heard God right? Kill my child? This miraculous child? Your promised child? No scripture to check it against, only his relationship with God. A friend asking this of him. Contrary to the laws of sacrifice later revealed, contrary to the promise that Isaac alone, not another son, would be the child to carry out the promise, to carry the promise in the covenant until the Messiah, also miraculously born, would come in the flesh to fulfill all these things. It doesn't look like justice. It doesn't look like righteousness. Would he be blameless if he did it? Would he lose the blessing? It seemed against all his hopes and against God's promises and commands. But a three-day walk with Isaac, now about 13, the word boy is translated young man, old enough to resist, the same age as Ishmael when God told Abraham to send Ishmael away. Not Isaac too, we're far too old to have another child. Was God now breaking his covenant, putting the promise of the messianic plan at risk himself? As he did in the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness and in the garden and on the cross. But it's a two-way relationship, God's trustworthiness, his servant's obedience, in Jesus' case, to death, Philippians 2. Isaac, the sacrifice, makes no objection. He carries the wood and off they go together. My father, I see the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? God himself will provide a lamb for the sacrifice, says Abraham. Is that a lie? or a prophetic statement. Abraham is a prophet. He tells the servant to wait with the donkey, <clears throat> says, I and the young man will go over there and worship and come 
again to you. He seems to think that everything is going to be all right, somehow. And as he reaches out his hand to slaughter his son, it's a horrible word, God intervenes, stops him, and reveals the lamb whom he has provided. As John the Baptist points out later, Abraham passed the test. He did what God told him to do. He did offer. He didn't complete the sacrifice, but he offered it. And God knows that Abraham has not withheld his precious son from him. Well, didn't God know anyway what was going to happen? Is this more for Abraham's benefit than for God's? God repeats the promise and the blessing because you have obeyed my voice. And God repeats the message and the reason to Isaac himself when he reconfirms the covenant with Isaac in Genesis 26. So, Abraham needed righteousness credited to him because like all the rest of us, he didn't get everything right. Abraham believed what God told him and God did the crediting perhaps in anticipation of Jesus' sacrifice later to fulfill the promise and the covenant and the messianic plan. So, credited with righteousness through faith. What sort of faith? Through faith and obedience? Or is the obedience proof of the faith? Let's look at the New Testament. Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. God healed Sarah so she could conceive. That didn't involve any action by Abraham. And that was just after Abraham had been the means of healing and blessing to Abimelech in his household. And then in Hebrews 11:9, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead reason. God who brought a miraculous, miraculous birth can bring life from the dead. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, and it's in our lives today. This faith seems to be a matter of mind, agonizing sometimes, enduring sometimes, not blind, facing facts, overcoming feelings, not just based upon them, Jesus in the garden. Trusting what he knows of God. For Abraham at the time, both options seemed to involve sin, killing or being disobedient. The dilemma of two apparently mutually inconsistent commands, resolvable only by resurrection. And the test, figuratively speaking, the offering of Isaac, also prefigures Jesus at the cross, but where Isaac was rescued, Jesus was forsaken and rejected. He saved others, let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen one, Luke 23. Save yourself and come down from the cross that we may see and believe, Mark 15. But if he saved himself, no one else would be saved. But the rulers refused to believe unless he did. And that's putting God to the test. Romans 3, we are justified by grace 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus to be received by faith. Romans 4, Abraham grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. An Old Testament expression for doing the right thing and making a good confession. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That's why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. The words it was counted were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Considered, reasoned, convinced. James 2. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture, meaning Genesis 15, our text, was fulfilled by what he did, Genesis 22, the test. And he was called the friend of God. That's James's view. And the figurative test sacrifice was filled too by, James, by Jesus, who knew all scripture and knew that scripture had to be fulfilled in him. Luke 22. And who said in John 8 to Jews seeking to rely on lineal descent from Abraham, something which God had never really promised would save them. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the things Abraham did. What things? Well, he did what God told him to do. What's God telling us to do? Me, you, Tim, Fran, collectively and individually. For Abraham, it was to obey God's call and instructions, rescue people, intercede, build, reconcile, dig wells, refresh, bless, heal, respond to God as a friend, bring up his children in the same promises that he'd received, see scripture fulfilled, complete the task given to him, believe God, worship God, witness to God. He gave glory to God. Witness to God and witness to the world. Abraham's story is still witnessing to the world. Lord, please help us to hear what you say, to know what you want us to do, and to do it. Amen. Let's just take a moment of quiet as we respond to what we've um, been hearing and Hannah's going to lead us in a song in a moment, but let's just be quiet before God, perhaps considering that, that story that may be very familiar and yet we might find very challenging once again. What does it mean for us to be faithful to God, to trust his promises? To make choices to trust him.
We may not feel faithful. We may find the challenges of of obedience and trust really difficult. But through Christ, through his death, in our place, when we trust in God, we are made righteous, we are considered right with him. And that is a beautiful promise. Father God, would you please remind us of your promises made perfect in the Lord Jesus, whose death and resurrection for us means that we can be adopted as your children, made right with you, free from sin, May we know the joy and delight of following you, of doing what you say, of obeying you and enjoying your company forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.